welcome to Bookish Meet the Author. I am here, and by the way, this was created by Clarissa Burt. I am here with author Andrew Colkin. How are you, Andrew? Great, great to be here. <laughs> Good. I am so happy because you're going to talk to us about um, your book, Amanda, A Cautionary Tale. And uh, we're going to talk about alcoholism and, and helping, helping. Helping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that's really the goal is, is to ultimately uh, learn from this horrible experience so that I can help others. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to just leave it. Uh, you know, my wife passed away about two years ago uh, by acute alcoholism and related things. Uh, and I didn't want it to end there. You know, we mm -hmm. were married for 25 years and I just didn't want it to end. You know? Yeah, that's for 25 years. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah well, we were together like 27 years. So yeah, it was, it's, a, it's a chunk of my life. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so let's start, let's start talking about this. So um, how do we start to identify alcoholism in our loved ones? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is denial. When, when you realize, well, technically a person, women are considered alcoholic textbook if they're drinking five to seven drinks a week, which sounds very low for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, but ultimately what you're doing is you're creating a habit. And what I realized with her, uh, when I first met her and part of it was my own ignorance because I'd never been around alcoholism or al alcoholic, certainly not to this level, but I thought it was a cultural thing because her family was originally from Canada and there's a little bit of French Canadian background and, and they all drank wine. So I thought it was just part of, uh, you know, her family, and that was a normal thing. But, you know, eventually uh, a 0. 0.750, 750 liter uh, bottle of wine became a 1.75 liter bottle of wine every day. Uh, and if you think about it, that's 28 to 30 bottles of wine a month. Um, mm. and it wreaks havoc on your body and your mind and your life over a period of years. Uh, and ultimately the denial of... I do I have a problem uh, is the biggest issue uh, if, until a person is ready to admit that they have an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, th there's no hope. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you saw early in the marriage or not till later? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she always drank a little bit every day. Uh, and it, it was a very gradual thing over certainly the first 10 years. And it didn't really interrupt with her life much. It was just part of her lifestyle. Uh -huh. um, I mean, she, we were both insurance brokers. She was a very successful insurance broker, very pretty girl. I got the picture over there. She had, you know, bright blue eyes. Uh, she'd enter a room and she was very outgoing and full of self-esteem. Uh, but, you know, about 15, 18 years into the marriage, it really started affecting her physically and mentally. Um, uh -huh. She started getting DUIs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, very obvious things, and it was affecting our relationship in, in a plethora of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about um, how we can respond to our alcoholic friends and family when they're, because a lot of them tend to be in denial about their alcoholism. Well, unfortunately, uh, most alcoholics, they're the last ones to realize that they're an alcoholic. It's everyone around them. Uh, understands that they have a an immense issue, uh, and the alcoholic is generally not always, but generally the the last ones to really uh, admit it, or if they ever do admit it, you know. Uh, and it's really up to the family uh, at some point. Uh, you have to draw a line in the sand depending on what relationship it is. I mean, we were a husband and wife relationship, but sometimes it could be a parent child relationship, which is even more difficult. 
and you have to cut the cord at some point uh, in, in that relationship. And I, I've spoken at, um, you know, some rehabs uh, it, locally. I live in Southern California. There's some big rehabs around here that some of them are actually famous, like Betty Ford and things. But my, my whole thing is, uh, especially with a, with a, a parent child, uh, you have to let your child fail. <laughs> you know, you have to let the cord. You can't be a codependent and you can't allow your child uh, to, to continue in this horrible behavior uh, if you're if you're flipping the bill. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And you know, I think the, the best education is a zero bank account and uh, nowhere to turn sometimes. And mm-hmm. You get real resourceful and you have to change your behavior if you're forced to. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's really difficult for parents specifically because you're just scared that your child is going to die if you turn your well, back on them. Well, the last thing you want is your you know son or daughter to be homeless on the street. Right. But yeah. So sometimes you, you know you, you have to make that decision. At least you have to take away if you're enabling them in your house and you're enabling them with, with money, I mean, because mm-hmm. you, you're killing them that way too. You're killing mm-hmm. them just as badly that way. Mm. Essentially you have to have an in, intervention and you have to put them uh, in some kind of course of, of group therapy. And somehow they have to get to the bottom of, of the core reason why the person is drinking to begin with, which is really what you need to really need to research. And the person has to identify in themselves they have to have the self-actualization uh to come to that conclusion that they have an issue why are alcoholism and mental health issues more relevant now than ever well they're relevant now because of specifically COVID 19. uh we haven't seen these a spike in alcoholism since since the great depression uh and economically because people were trapped in their homes for two years added there's added stresses that people uh, weren't expecting uh, people losing their jobs and their businesses. Uh, alcoholism has increased by 25% in the last two and a half years. Uh, and that equates to somewhere between 19 and 35,000 additional deaths. Not to mention uh, all the other, you know, the other, the other right. issues that it wreaks in your body. I mean, liver disease and liver cancer and uh, high blood pressure, heart disease. You know, that, that's just that's the new pandemic, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, what are some of the myths about alcoholism? The biggest myth is that uh, a person thinks that they can um, stop anytime they want. That is the, the biggest myth, and it's also the biggest killer. Um, when you've been drinking for five or 10 years and you actually have created a habit to that magnitude, you have both a physical and a me- mental and emotional attachment uh, to alcohol. And there, there's no way uh, humanly possible unless very, 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 very small amount of people uh, have the ability to to quit on their own uh, without a rehab situation and without long term um, long term support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and, and also having a, a sponsor, someone, uh, you know, an accountability partner who's there all, all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, what does an alcoholic have to say? What must they say if they have any hope of recovery? The one thing they have to say above anything else is that I have a problem and I need help. Um, until they've come to that conclusion, uh, they're going to lie to themselves. And they're going to lie to everyone around themselves. 
the problem is everyone around that alcoholic uh, also buys into the lies a lot of times because they, they have hope. Everyone has hope. I mean, I had hope for two decades. She goes, that's the last time I'm going to do this. This will never happen again, you know. And a week later, the person's on the floor in their own body fluids, you know. They, it, it's not possible. You can't quit on your own. That's the biggest, you know, that's, that's the biggest uh, fallacy about alcoholism. The other thing is, you know, people think uh, the average alcoholic is a homeless person disheveled walking down the street. Uh, they have some kind of mental issue. Most alcoholics, like my wife, a housewife or a business person, or they could be a lawyer, they could be a doctor. Um, I even thought about the movie uh, with Denzel Washington, uh, Flight, came out a few years ago where he was an airplane pilot mm -hmm. and he was an alcoholic. Uh, and that was a very, Amanda was still alive then. I remember watching it. And it was very difficult for me to watch because it was so close to home. Mm. But one thing that Denzel did in that movie he was able to, he threw, even though he realized at the end of it, he threw away his career, but he was able to save his life because he admitted in front of the court and everyone that he was an alcoholic. <laughs> and his life, he realized, was more important than continuing to be an airplane pilot. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a, that was a big, <laughs> I remember you know, watching that movie going, Amanda, are we here yet? You know? <laughs> right, right. Now, so did she ever admit that she was an alcoholic? Yeah, she did admit it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 She, she was able to admit it and she went to uh, seven rehabs. Wow. And she died in her seventh rehab. She actually fell down a flight of stairs. And, uh, you know, she was in UCLA for about a month after that. And her body, you know, because of the years of abuse, uh, it just wore out. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, especially young people who, are excited about being able to drink alcohol and um, and then the young people who are not only are excited about drinking alcohol but that also use it as a crutch to get through some of the things that young people would get through they don't think about what it's going to do to your body 5 10 15 20 years yeah well, it, that, that, those, those are the people i really try to reach yeah college age kids because the, the average um alcoholic starts their career between the ages of 15 and 20 in college specifically because you're away from home for the first time or college age kids um, and you're you're around different support groups there's a there, you know there's a lot of peer pressure mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are still um, they're they're um, introverts and it's a way for them to come out of themselves yeah yeah when they're, when they're younger you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they yeah. create a habit in your 20s and it goes into your 30s and then then you're I want to give. I want to get a hold of people before they become chronic, because just like cancer or heart disease, if you can catch it in the earlier stages, you have a far better chance of of uh, survival and, and helping these people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and you're also saving, like in a tangential. How do you say that word? Tangential way, people, right. other people, because we all know alcoholics have horrible car accidents sometimes, and they cost other people their lives and it's um so it's not just you that is being immediately affected by this disease and i think that's another thing andrew we don't really look at it as a disease i don't i feel in this i mean we acknowledge it as a disease but i think a lot of people don't really if you have a loved one do do they see it as a disease or this is just something just get over it just stop that's the problem most people think oh we just get over it uh, it's a phase they're going through yeah 
it's it's a it's a mental disease. It's just like uh, 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 narcissism, psych, being a psychopath, uh, so, uh, social behaviors, uh, depression. Uh, it's definitely a mental health care disease. But alcoholism is also a chemical dependency. So it's it's and emotional dependency. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's no. That's why it has to be treated. I always say like stage four cancer. You have about a five percent chance when you're a chronic alcoholic. You have about a five percent chance of survival rate. If you've been drinking for more than a few years, you've created a habit that's you're going down a very very dark black hole uh, that you don't want to go down. Mm -hmm. Andrew, where can we find your book and learn more about uh, you and your story? You can go to my uh, my website is www.amandaacautionarytale.com. Um, taking pre-orders coming out this fall i have a on facebook you know we have a great facebook group it's growing i've talked about excerpts and we talk about all the issues that were you know really the conversation that we had today uh it's helped it's already helped a lot of people a lot of friends a lot of relatives and a lot of uh, i've got about three thousand people in the group so you know we get a lot i get a lot of back and forth of you know what what i'm doing and, mm -hmm. and you know, trying to help people mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for uh, chatting with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And I'm going to stop recording, but I'm going to chat with you for just a moment. And to our um, viewers, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Bookish, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.